hello and welcome to the pilot episode of the Carbon Life Pods. Uh, basically a half hour conversation with people that I'm inspired by, that have made an impact in my life and that, who I think can add value to yours. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to, or they can introduce themselves, the first two guests of the show. Who would like to take it away? One of you? Well, I'll introduce uh, Danny. Age before beauty, you can go. So I'll introduce you, Dan. Okay. For me, uh, for me, Danny Rose is well. His uh, record speaks for itself in terms of how successful he's been on the pitch, repeatedly uh, winning a serial winner, and uh, probably it's hard to say underrated because so many managers have taken him on and played him regularly, um, but he definitely could have played at higher standards than what he's, what he's done. But needless to say, he's proved that with the achievements he's made at the levels he's played at. Um, and then going on further than that is a, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bloke uh, to boot, which is always helps and is most important. Excellent. I'll second that. <laughs> awesome guy. He knows I'm one of his biggest friends. Always loves uh, giving Danny, Danny Rose a heart on his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'll introduce Eddie Odiambo, um, a player that took me under his wing when I came on loan to Oxford United, uh, one of his many clubs that he had success at, um, gone on to have a you know successful career in around uh, non-league, he's now going into coaching and further into management, a player that always does things at 100%. Uh, so he's an, he's an example to, to every young player in how to apply yourself every single day at training and when it comes to match day. Um, and as well as that, he's a leader in, in all kinds of ways. He'll speak his mind in terms of for the group and, and for himself, which I think is uh, something that may be lacked in a lot of young players. Um, so it's good to, to, to see that with a young player when, when we were younger at, in our Oxford days. and. I said, so, someone you could always look up to and someone that I look up, looked up to early on in my career and still do to this day, not only on the pitch, but things off the pitch as well. Excellent. I second that again. Never had the opportunity to play with it since leaving school. I said that to someone the other day. I've never actually played in the same team, but again, someone I've looked up to, admired and yeah, watched, you, watched your career. Um, again, same as Danny. You two should have played at a higher level. There's no doubt about that. Which is why... I wanted to have this conversation going. I'm just going to refer to a message so people can get the, the context of the group. So um, I'm going back now. It's quite bad on me because the whole the group was called Take Action Now. But this stems back to the 29th of March, 2019. So I've started with investment opportunity, 10K in for 10 times 10 return, risk guaranteed at 75%. Turnaround dealers, 24 hours, need to commit in one hour, you in. So. Then I've got it to say, I guess, but imagine receiving that message, heart beating, sweaty palm, complete head loss. Obviously, it would depend on who you receive it from. This does go on. Anywho, firstly, good morning. Allow me to take you on a journey. This is all, this is 5.38 in the morning. So I've just had a brainwave. <laughs> <laughs> so around the bit of context, around the time Jaden was having trouble, coming to the end of his red in time, um, didn't, he didn't know if he was going to get a renewed contract. So I said, 
In trying to educate Jaden on taking action, striking whilst the iron's hot, etc., I must first practice what I preach and evaluate ideas, actions I have yet to execute. Often a tangent, if you haven't yet listened to Have You Heard of George's podcast by Georgia Poet, then I highly recommend it. Still recommending, and I actually recommended it to someone yesterday. Um, available on SoundCloud, anyone think I was his promoter. <laughs> there are a few episodes where he has a great take on ideas in, my, in the mind, allowing them to flourish, and how your subconscious tries to regulate and control what you Back to my point. I've had an idea for, I'd say, well over two years that I failed to advance from my mind to paper to execution, and the basis is as follows. Everybody wants to be a footballer, but not everybody can. Not everybody has the opportunity, talent, attitude, mental strength to do so. So for those that do, surely they have an insight into what it takes. Might we not find out how others require gold and do what they do? Quote from The Richest Man in Babylon. And again, another book I'd recommend. So my idea, which I often think about when washing up, oddly enough, is to present a gift to Jaden that he can use as a sort of support realisation tool. A series of short videos titled, wait for it, five minutes with. Groundbreaking stuff, I know. Where I have, where I have <laughs> an informal chat with said person who has given him an insight into what it takes to be a footballer. The good, the bad, the ugly. Definitely the bad and ugly because this is the part of the game that is not openly talked about, honestly. Thanks for your time. We'd love to know what you think. Reached out to you guys first as you are closest to me and because I also admire and look up what you've all achieved. The hard work you guys have put in, put in humbles me to the core, but I don't believe people, even me, will understand the physical, mental strength and determination that is required. Peace and love. And Ed's response was, you'll need 55 minutes to go 3W with me. <laughs> I, I, I hope that's changed since then, Ed, and you've had time to re reflect. <laughs> yeah, I'll um, segment it. <laughs> But yeah, the first question I'm going to ask is, can you just explain your journey from youth football and onwards? Who's going first? You go, Dan. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously began playing at a young age, played, played locally up until I was about 12. And then it was, at, it was actually, I was, at 10, I was 10 years old when I got first approached from a, a Manchester United scout. Um, and it wasn't until I was then 14, continued to play some academy football up until that age with Aston Villa and Bristol City. And it wasn't until I was 14 that I eventually signed for, for Man United. So I moved away from home, <clears throat> finished my last two years of school up there. And I was lucky enough to sign a scholarship, which I did two years. And then I did a year's pro up there. So in terms of journey, that was at, at 14. That was a dream come true to to sign for the, the team that I support as a, as a, as a child. Uh, and my whole family did as well. Um, so that was a big step, a big learning curve. I had to grow up quite quickly. Um, a lot of pressure as well, because I think there was a lot of expectation from family members and friends that I'd sort of left behind. Um, you know, it, it didn't materialize for me at, at Manchester United, which I sort of realized, I think when I was sort of 17, 18, 19, I think I knew I wasn't going to be good enough to play at that level, but I knew I had to make the most of the opportunity that I had there to learn as much from the coaches and the players that I was training with. Um, I ended up going on, during my years pro that I had there, I went on loan to Oxford United, which is where I met Eddie. Like I said, he was one of the players who, despite his sort of young age, he sort of opened me with, with open arms and helped me settle into the group, um, which made it easier for me to to play and, and enjoy, enjoy the football, even though it was a bit of a culture shock at the time. Um, and that's one of the things I think 
a lot of players I have to deal with is not is it definitely have to deal with disappointments and players deal with those in all kinds of ways. Um, so to have that type of culture shock from where I was to where I was now playing the training ground, you know, wasn't great. I think we washed our own kit and washed our own boots and I'd gone from, you know, everything being on a plate to me. So that was a lot to deal with at, at the time. I had a couple of years there um, and then I went to Newport County after that, which again was a, another disappointment in a way because I was released from Oxford and then I'd suddenly sort of found myself going from being a professional at Man United at 19 to then uh, 20 and I was playing part-time at Newport in the Conference South. So that's quite a big nosedive, if you will. <laughs> um, but again, that comes with a lot of the the social aspects of it. I, I remember feeling during that time where um, feeling the pressure of people thinking, especially people because I basically had moved back home, is that it, it didn't work out for Danny up in Manchester, this whole football thing. He went, he came back, he's back home. And having to deal with that, it was difficult. Um, then playing part-time, I was considering at, at the time, do I get a full-time job as well as playing part-time? But I decided not to. I sort of committed to making still training full-time in terms of my what I was doing by myself, but making sure I was, you know, I had an edge on the other players around me at, at that level. And that edge was basically, as well as I, I technically backed myself to be able to play in the football league, but it was more of a, a fitness thing, making sure I was fit, fitter and sharper than, than anyone else <clears throat> in those leagues. And it was that commitment that led me to having a lot of success at Newport. I went to Fleetwood after there. Um, who we eventually won the conference with Fleetwood, which sort of led me back into the football league. Um, and that led me back to re-signing for Oxford United as well um, when I was 25. And I had a good couple of years there. Chris Wilder signed me for, not, for, for Oxford, sorry, um, success. And off the back of a really good spell at Northampton, I signed for Portsmouth and I was there for three years, had, had some success there. Unfortunately, I broke my leg uh, whilst at Portsmouth after about a year and a half being there, which again is another disappointment to have to deal with and get over. Um, and I, I came back fully fit and have fully recovered, but I never really got the opportunity to, to prove myself that I was you know, the player that I was before I broke my leg. Um, so I ended up leaving and now I'm, I'm at Swindon now. We've recently had success and I've played um, a good role in that. So... That's where I currently am at the moment, at the age of 32. Wow, that's an incredible <laughs> journey. Fingers, I knew it, but just listen to it, it just sounds crazy. But the I mean, word, some that, of the wording... That's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I highlighted some of the disappointments, and there yeah. are definitely more disappointments than, than successes. Um, just, just tell us your successes like again. Whole... How many times you won League <laughs> Two? Uh, uh, one... Champions of League Two three times. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, come second in League Two once with Oxford, if, it, if that counts, even though I left him in January. Yeah. Counts, counts. to me anyway. Okay. Oh, counts. We <laughs> <laughs> um, won, won the conference with Fleetwood and then we won the conference South title with Newport. Okay. It's mad, isn't it? Because for me, I've seen that the whole time. So from yeah. the day he. Um, became a first-team player, a League Man United and becoming a first-team yeah. player. I've, yeah. I've seen that career the whole way through. And like you say, that has gone like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember the first oh, time man. I met you, Danny. It was um, 
name dropping. A friend, mutual friend of ours, Emma's. It was her barbecue, and me and Emma have been friends since we were age ten. And Ed came through with this guy. Thinking, who's this guy here? <laughs> Over to the group. <laughs> it's Daddy Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I, I know we right. haven't we haven't been close close, but I've valued your friendship ever since. Mm-hmm, definitely. But um, so yeah, some of the words some of the words you threw in, such as the commitment and backing yourself, I think that's where many people fail. But the fact that you yeah believed in yourself, you were playing part time but training as full time, a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah made the decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to. Oh, actually, not made the decision. Probably it's been made for them. You've got to get a job. You've got, um, yeah. that's a hobby now. You need to get in the real world. And oh yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you didn't make that decision because yeah, so many people have come, come across it. I was close. Yeah, I, I looked at, I remember now, I, I did do quite, I did do a bit of coaching here and there. A guy who I was playing with helped me out with a, a few bits here and there in school was, um, I remember the idea of just doing something sort of under the radar I think it was a, a call centre job which no, no one would have known me no one would have known that I would have been doing it but I would have been able to earn some extra money but I didn't go through with it so I just had about two years at Newport where we were part-time I think it was um, and luckily as a team we built a good team and, and we won the conference so I got into the into the, the national league or the conference as it was and then we went full-time which is when, when Eddie joined um, so I sort of went from part-time to full-time, yeah, with the same club, which is it doesn't really happen where clubs just sort of change like that. But luckily, I was able to do that, yeah. Wicked, wicked. All right, Ed, can we move on to you, please, for your journey? Um, we, can start, we can start right from the beginning, from the little more days, if you want. Oh, I won't go, I won't go that. Well, I was telling you that they, they were really fun, and it's a shame it doesn't... Uh, well, I'm not too sure now, I'm a bit out of the loop, but... It doesn't seem as if the grassroots football is as um, as competitive as it was back then, just maybe because so many players are joining academies from such a younger age. And and then, so that element of playing with your friends probably is a bit less than what it used to be, where, don't get me wrong, I managed it till I was 12, and then you had to go to the centre of excellence and play every Sunday, and then, but, um, it was it was nothing better than playing those, those games there. Um, moving on to well, keep it in that theme. It was always a case of who's the best in your school, who's the best in your team. They're going to be the ones at the centre of excellence, and you kind of think that way until you know better, and then you get to a place where you're still in your centre of excellence, Ox United at the time, where you're still where there's suddenly, okay, there's one or two players who are better. And then, so that's what I did. I, I stayed at Oxford United. I was one of the best. It might have been one or two players who were better. The thing then was, though, to move them up in age. So any players who were good, decent at your age moved up age group. And then your eyes open up a bit when you join a, a team which is a bit more... Uh, which progressed a bit more. So I went from Oxford to Southampton and I'm playing with people who are under 15, under 16 internationals, under 18 internationals, under 19, 20, 21 internationals and I am just anybody. So I had to work out where my strengths lied. How can I hang with these people on the pitch? And the way I did it was 
through this endeavor, working hard, working on and making myself um, useful anywhere. So <laughs> during my new career, I literally joined there as a striker. They, I'd always joke that I'd switch flanks, uh, playing fullback and play fullback everywhere. Playing anywhere where there was a position going, I would put my hand up to play it because I just wanted to. I knew that players, uh, special players who specialise in positions, were probably better than me. So I thought, right, what's going to work in my favour? And it maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't. Maybe I should have special uh, specialised and stayed in a position. But I thought I want to give myself every opportunity. And uh, my thinking was make myself versatile, make myself useful, um, be able to play on both feet, be able to uh, be as fit as you can at all times. Um, and the, the trouble, the, I got into trouble with it because I, because I didn't specialise in the position. I, I would other people answer better than but my my thing is I became um, probably just part of the part of the furniture and not someone not in people's uh, I wouldn't spring into fighting because I was low maintenance I for a while I got into it I'd just get on with things and it wasn't until I was really in a sulky sulky way that people realized Get it? And that's 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 the challenge I found. Fight getting help was really difficult. It wasn't not because it wasn't there, because I was surrounded by a lot of really really good people, but I didn't know how to ask for help. Yeah, can I just uh, go back a, a step? This isn't an Oxford bashing call, but I recall when we were growing up, Ed was always the kid, the kid that would all the goals in the season a little more. At the six sides within the competition, scoring goals. When we were at Oxford, Oxford schools, the county, Oxford set of excellence, you were the striker, you were the go to man. When it got to the year 11, under 16s, going into scholarship, I believe you were a shoe in to get in. That didn't happen. Can you explain? You're not to explain why, because obviously people make the decision for what they make it for, but can you explain what happened to you between the transition then from Oxford to Southampton? Yeah, so what happened was. Oxford, I think they had, but like memory plays tricks on you. But the way I had it is the amount of scholars they take on, be it eight to ten or something like that, and they didn't want, and they thought they could hang on to me for another year because of my age, being really young. They thought we'll put him in the younger age group because I was right on the on the like on August thirty first birthday. So say I was an under sixteen, I think. They wanted to keep me back to an under 15 and do it that way. And I, do you know what? At, at, at Southampton, that probably should have been what I should have done. But at Oxford, where I've just spent the last five years building up these social ties and everything and working with the coaches and, like you say, being better than the majority of the squad which is there, why should I delay my progress at Oxford? Because it was at that time, it was at, um, from only at Oxford. Yeah. We were we weren't as good as the setup is there now. And, and then there's Southampton. I think there was Southampton, Swansea, and Wolves at the time, all saying, "Oh well, we take him now." So I was. So it became a really, really 
easy decision to make in terms of in terms of me leaving. And it really that's it did really confuse me, really confuse me as to what was going on there. Because like you say, I was I'd, I'd done really really well there, and for them to not be not be jumping at the chance to sign me confused the life out of me. And I didn't get it, so I went then probably had nothing to do about it for the next four years. Yeah, which that always baffles me because from what the inside looking or looking in, looking out, it was like, Ed hasn't got here, but yet he's got to Southampton. And then as, as it's gone on, we've left Oxford yeah. like three or four years later and then you've come back in, in the first team like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. always saw it as a good step. A good step for you because obviously the training would have been better, facilities would have been better. And you... For me, came back an even better player. Oh, there was nowhere, there was nowhere, very few, very few uh, places better to be than uh, Southampton Academy, even now, and going back in 20 years now. So there was, in terms of the football education, was like I can't. I was given every opportunity to become a better player. So in terms of how they, the, the club, treated me and everything, like where. Where I've gone from them, I don't think there's anything to do with a lack of. Okay, there's been there not through a lack of opportunity to train facilities, uh, coaching like that. Maybe like everybody, the few people making decisions, so few managers and what have you making decisions has not gone your way. Uh, but yeah, obviously I'd, I would recommend anyone to go to Southampton and I'll do it all again. Yeah. But yeah, what was it? What was the steps afterwards then? Southampton onto where? Because you had, you had um, some, you had some named players in that team, didn't you? Unbelievable. Yeah. For internationals. And like, like I say, there's the players now, are world-class players. Um, my time there was ridiculously up and down. So there was, uh, I think, uh, the only time I probably got genuinely close to being considered in the first team or anything, I was playing out of my skin for the reserves, for the, the whatever team we had again, the under 19 team, playing out of my skin, anywhere on the pitch. Um, and was, there was a lot of, a cup game, like a league cup game, where you have like an 18-man squad or something like that. And I thought I was going to get in the squad one time, and it didn't happen. I believe it was because um, <laughs> a player said he wasn't fit in the morning. So traveling down, he said, "Yeah, I am fit." So it meant I couldn't get on the, I couldn't get on the bench or whatever. So there's one of them which everybody's got a story like that. Yeah, that's a sliding um, doors, sliding doors moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, and then had a couple of uh, loan spells. One, um, it's my first loan spell was to to, to there. That's it. So I went there. Being uh, Russell's manager, and turned up, had one game, played a cup game, went back to Southampton for training and broke my leg while I was on loan. So that just curtailed everything. 
I came, I came back from that. Um, quickly after, like three months, I was back playing, um, and then went on, went on loan again, and did really, really well. So when I went to Nami, went alone to to Tamworth for a conference, as it was then. Uh, played really well, played about eight or ten games, which just enjoyed football, had someone look after me. Um, it really took me on this really proper non-league player after me um, and grew up a bit about doing all of doing all of that. Came back from that loan, absolutely flying. I think that was the t- about the time I thought, oh I could get a squeeze here. And then went on went on loan again. And then something messed up with the loan deal. They had too many players on loan already, didn't send one home. I couldn't join there to Yeovil, that was. So I was training with Yeovil for a couple of weeks, wondering, oh, I'm going to get a debut now, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. Didn't happen. And then it was past the deadline, so I was stuck in limbo. And we called it there. So you're not in the you're not in the first team, you're not in the youth team because you're too old, and you're not, not even in the bomb squad. So you're... <laughs> So you're somewhere in between. You're somewhere in actually in between. There was about four of us in in that completely in in betwixt in between. And then family bereavement. Yeah, and then you're thinking whether you can involved to play football. So and that was that all happened towards the end of the season over the summer. So it's free. I basically I went back to Tanzania. Uh, spent some time there, came back and it was about four months, three and a half, four months where I hadn't played football and that's when I went back to Watson. That's, what? that's how that happened. And what, so all of that in the space of what, say three, four years? Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, so it was really, and in that time, I, I never slept. So it was about, for whatever reason, from the age of about 18 to 22, I didn't sleep, I couldn't sleep. My, my, my housemate at the time, <laughs> we'd have to do all sorts of things. We'd have to put the TV on in the living room because uh, the light would get me so TV, so, so I could sleep with noise. But in a silent room, I couldn't sleep, we'd do anything. So I put a TV in my room, but then the light was there, so we'd have to put a towel over it and all. All the things, <laughs> just couldn't sleep for, for years and years and years. Never know why, never know why or anything like that. Um, it was put to me by a coach one day, unbelievable coach. It put to me, I, and I think you might be. You might be a bit depressed or something. That was before I even heard the word in my life. Never heard the word in my life. And um, so it was just, yeah, it was a really weird time. But I felt, I felt like I had, a, had really enjoyed it, really good times. But then my, you remember, for every reason, you do remember the low points a lot more than you do the high points, for every reason. But I don't know a lot of high points as well. Incredible stories from both of you. <laughs> but again, an insight into what people don't see, the bits where you're, you're isolated on your own. And it's a strong word, but mental health issues. We don't take as much notice as our mental health as we do physical health. But they're all, they are ailments and, and should be addressed. I know it's a lot more now, but we're looking, did you say 10, 15 years ago, there wouldn't have been any, any support for that. It was just get on with it. Yeah, yeah. And... It's, I don't know. I don't know. How can you? Yeah. How can you support it? Because everyone's so individual. There's no even 
I work in a field now where mental health is prevalent and supporting it is really, really difficult. Identifying it is really, really difficult. And the, the best thing you can do is be good to yourself, almost. Like I say, do things you enjoy, spend time with people who are, who are good, good for you. And those little things help little and often help. So what sort of things do you do now then? Obviously, I know you're not in football as much as you're used to, but for, to, for downtime. Uh, not, not, a, so not at a senior level. So I, I, I think I mentioned this to uh, Dan before. I haven't been in a full-time environment for youngs for years. I don't know what it's like now. And, but yet, like, like I said, I still consider myself to have been a professional and uh, had a decent career in that, in that sense. Of it. But... In terms of being in a professional environment, seniors or kids now, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what it's like. Dan, you you'll be better in tennis or that's like. Yeah, in terms of like the, the mental health, touching upon that, like the clubs I've been at over the last few years, each have em employed someone to come in, and they're always there. You know, if if a, a player wants to confide in them over a certain or any issues that that they might have, the one we have now is Swindon. She does a lot of like team um, sort of bonding exercises, and we sit and you know for for two three hours on probably once a month on an afternoon and go through all sorts of different exercises, our our goals as as a team individually um, to try and help everybody. And she's also like I said, she's there individually. But you think help? And some some play, some players buy into it, some don't. Some some speak to her, some don't. Um, me personally, I'm. I get I get quite involved in a lot of the team stuff, um, in terms of the goal setting and our sort of co our culture, if you like. Um, but in terms of the, the personal stuff, um, I sort of have I think other people which I speak to because I think there's always that um, sort of stigma is how how much can you trust that? Hundred percent with you. I'm hundred percent with the you. club because I'm a, yeah, because you don't know. If I, it was, it's classic. If I say to her, "Look, I'm really struggling with this at the moment. It's affecting, you know, my performance. It's affecting my mindset. Um, I just, on my confidence, and I just, I feel like I can't play." If I say something like that, it's, it's exactly I, 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 it puts her in a hard position. I don't. Does she should she feel obligated yeah. to say that to the to the manager or a coach? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, no, we always get told that everything's confidential, but. Yeah, and I would, I would have, you know, I mean, I would have 100% been on the same mind. And, would yeah. have, and like you say, would have got definitely got involved in the ethos of the team, would have uh, not disclosed whatsoever, I don't think. Yeah. But that's why I think it's doubly important, like you mentioned before, that it's important that you look after yourself away from away from the from the environment from football because that's what you sort of come home to every day so i know that i have my missus and kids to come back to and they're always a, a massive distraction a welcome distraction from any issues that i have at football so i'm able to sort of as soon as i park the car in the driveway any issues that i have there just, just go if i'm not if i'm not playing if i'm carrying a knock if i'm um, whatever it might be, and not out of form. Then do you find that? Do you find you've developed that from just from being older as well, and getting around the block a little bit more. 
Yeah, probably. I think you begin to see the bigger picture a little bit um, yeah. and just yeah. realise that a bad training session or, I don't know, two games where you've had, you know, not the best game, it's, no, it's not as big a deal like this. There's a lot of good things going on in in my life than to, then to yeah. get too hell-bent on, you know, a, a bit of a bad patch. Is that, is that your advice then? Is that your advice? Just get a wife and kids. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a wife and kid. So, for, for example, my counselor, the person who I would have shared most with for a period of time, would have been Dan. That's who I would have. We were basically living together a few times for for a few years. We were basically living together. Yeah. Someone I trusted. Somebody's advice I trusted. Someone who was looking out for my best interest. Who's more appropriate to speak to? So uh, it's, it's the qualities in the person who you're, who you're going to speak to, rather than anything uh, above anything yeah. else. And yeah. we've got professionals who, are, who can do that. Really good professionals who can do that. But ultimately, yeah, you want to. You have to have that someone support, you trust. I think with someone as well, and that can be built. That can be built up. That can be built up from someone who's employed to do that. Um, equally, you have that relationship. So whether it's a partner or, or someone who, or, or, or friend or sibling, yeah, you've got to, you've got to that point. And most important thing, someone's got your best interests. Uh -huh. Wicked, wicked. All right, guys. So for you, there's no better person than a, than a, your son. There's no better person than you. Yeah. Sound like you two had a, a real bromance going on. I like it. I like it. Everyone knows you were close anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, guys, just to finish off, I did have a few more questions, but time is running out. Um, I'm going to go with advice you would give to your 16-year-old self, knowing what you've gone through, everything you've achieved. Your 16-year-old self, you meet, you see him walking down the street, and you say, "Hey, mate, what advice would you give?" Okay, I'll go first. I got one. Um, my advice would be um, that one person's or one fan or one coach's opinion doesn't um, define you as a player. It doesn't mean you're a bad player. It doesn't mean you're not good enough or not. You know, that's one person out of or one coach say someone getting released maybe that's one coach's opinion or you're not getting selected for that game that's one coach's opinion on how he sees you at that current moment so that that doesn't mean you're not going to make it you're not going to play again that would be my advice so don't i wouldn't i wouldn't worry too much obviously at the time i guess it means a lot if you're not playing or if you leave a club but that is just one person's opinion injection is not fatal in football is it yeah yeah Thanks, Dan. Cheers for that. You, Ed? Just to go into touch more detail on that. So then the, the, I've got a thing about like the like, like talent and resilience. So it's like the balance of that. So I know that talent will only get you so far. But then talent could get you to playing in the Premier League. You, you could make your debut in the Premier League because you're that talented. But if you haven't got this resilience on this side, that you, you're never going to stay there. So no matter what level you're at, you have to have this resilience and, like I said, be mentally strong in, in different types of ways to have, you know, some kind of sustained career, at, no matter what you do, what, no matter what you want to do. 
Um, so trying to build some type of resilience, how you build that, it's difficult. Sometimes you've got to go through some experiences, I guess, to, to build that. Yeah. Um, but try and learn resilience as well. Very good, very good. Yeah, over to yeah, you, Ed. Right, it's right. So it's almost... <laughs> Just want to say it without sounding uh, condescending or anything, but you do almost have to take take away the emotion from a situation sometimes and just look at okay, you had a bad game, move on. So my my thing would be like uh, Dan alluded to it earlier on that I I kind of found a voice relatively young. I wish I wish I found it earlier. I wish I found it earlier. I wish I could uh, express myself the way I do now when I was younger. I think I would, I would have been better for it. I, I was quite ready to just okay. That's what happens next. So that's what that's what that's what's going to be. Accepted. Up for my, accepted a lot of things. Didn't speak up for myself enough. Um, and. Like I say, and it's especially now because it's changed. When you was a young lad, 30, 25 years ago, if you spoke up, you'd get bullied by the old thing that, but the environment's much different now. Yeah. Where they they want personality, they they want personalities mm-hmm. in, a, in a changing in the team. And you can do that without being brash, arrogant or anything like that. You can do that and do it intelligently. Um so yeah, I just wish I was myself a lot earlier than I was. Great advice, great advice. Well, thank you, guys. Our time's almost up. Um, just enough time to say thank you for your yeah. time. Much appreciated. So, um, yeah. You're welcome. This has been the Carbon Live Pods with Daniel Rose and Eddie Odiambo. Thank you very much.